sometimes it can be a little okay welcome everyone to history hour this is a series that we do bi-weekly here on historical usa um i am so excited we usually have a guest on we talk about to your favorite authors your history content creators historians podcasters so today i'm excited we have john from the hidden history pod john can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit where we can find you and what your um podcast is all about okay uh thank you thank uh first of all thank you lisa for having me on um my name is john and I run the Hidden History Podcast and also the Hidden History Pod on Instagram. Um, I'm also on YouTube uh, at Hidden History Pod. And basically um, what I do is uh, I started with a podcast and then I expanded to Instagram and YouTube and I just try to cover all things history. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, I like to ask um, people when they first come on, Give us like, give us your origin story. Give us, how did you get interested in history? Kind of what has inspired you to start your podcast um, in the first place? Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess I've always been in, into history in general. I guess growing up, um, I've always loved history, anything to do with history. Um, when I went to college, I didn't major in history at first. I actually majored in uh, performing arts and then eventually it evolved to history, but that that's a long story. Uh, basically, uh, <laughs> I, I ended up just deciding I'm going to focus on history. Um, the plan, the original plan was uh, to go into teaching. Uh, so I said, let me start there. Uh, so did the college thing. I, I did a major in history, um, uh, got my bachelor's. Um, and then that was at the end of uh, 2019. That was May 2019 when I uh, finally finished up college. And then we had 2020, the, the past uh, three years went by. And then fast forward to uh, last summer, uh, around last summer, the beginning of last summer, I decided to to keep myself busy. I needed to get out more. So I decided to start exploring the historical stuff around my own neighborhood. Because uh, there's a lot of history in, in uh, where I grew up. I grew up in uh, Yonkers, New York is where I grew up. Oh, it's yeah. about 20 minutes north of the city by train. It's a uh, the Bronx is literally uh, two blocks down to, to the south of me. So I decided to get into everything in my own area. Yeah. Um, so I started exploring the the history of this city. I started exploring uh, the Bronx history. Um, started going out to different spots, uh, uh, historic uh, historical houses. Um, the closest one to me is the Van Cortlandt House in the Bronx. Um, but there's other ones. Uh, so I started doing all that. And then I decided that at that point, uh, as of uh, 2022, last year, I decided teaching wasn't going to happen for me personally. Uh, not only do I live in New York, where it's it'd be very difficult to be a teacher. Let's just put it like that. Um, yeah. So I decided I didn't want to deal with that. Uh, education has changed so much. And I, it was just I didn't want to be uh, held back. Uh, you know, you know, people hear things they don't want to hear or they don't like or or so on. So I decided, yeah. how can I do this in a different way? And obviously, as you know, everyone's been on, you know, YouTube, Instagram and the such doing this and that. And I, and the original idea was a podcast. I, I it, it's it's it started as a podcast and it's still my number one thing is the podcast. Um, Basically, 
with history being what it is, uh, such a, a vast uh, subject, I wanted—I didn't want to just uh, uh, pick one or the other because there's so many people out there who, who, are, who are experts in U.S. history or experts in European history, and I'm not an expert. I, I'm right. the first one to—you know—I'm the first one to admit that. Um, I love to learn as well, and if I'm wrong and someone corrects me and I learn something new. I take that information, I store it, yeah. and I keep moving. I'm, I, you know, I, 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 I appreciate that. So, uh, I decided hidden history because uh, there's so much history. There's a lot that gets swept under the rug. There's so much that gets swept under the rug, whether it's intentional or unintentional. It just happens. Right. Uh, it's, it's just inevitable. So, I decided to to start. I, I said, okay, let me gather ten. Uh, historical figure, 10 people from history, American history. Let me start with American history because American history, when I was in college, I, I, I was focused on uh, U.S. history. Uh, that was my thing. And then I went to, I got a chance to go to Auschwitz in 28, March of 2018. Yeah. And I was in a class and it was a, a religion class because I, I've been in basically Catholic school all my life in some form. Um, okay. From, Pre-K to high school, the end of high school was Catholic. And the college I went to wasn't a Catholic college, but it was a Christian college. Now, mm -hmm. private, but you had to take religion classes. So I yeah. got a chance to go to Auschwitz, and I learned more about the Holocaust. I learned more about, uh, in general, World War II. Although, at that point, I had taken so many different, uh, you know, different history classes that I knew about World War II, but going into it now, this helped me understand. Uh, to learn about the Holocaust side of World War II, because you know those two subjects you can study separately, entirely separately from one another, and yet they're you know connected. Uh, so, yeah. I uh, I went to Auschwitz in March 2018. Uh, we were there for a week, and uh, we went to um, Auschwitz one and two. We drove by what was once Auschwitz three. We visited uh, uh, John Paul II's home in uh, Vadovice. Uh, okay. I, I probably didn't pronounce that correctly, but <laughs> close enough. Um, yeah. So learning all that, and and then plus the class gave us an opportunity to uh, uh, we attended Shabbat dinners, we um, we heard survivors speak. So all of that mix wow. right there, yeah. So it, learning all like that—that that sounds mm -hmm. like a really cool experience. That's that's amazing, and you know yeah, when I was. Um, I was kind of like you. I mean, now most of my, my page is mostly all about the founding fathers and the American Revolution and the colonial era, era. But, you know, when I was first in high school and in college, it was all about World War II. And I was really drawn to the Holocaust early. I When I was a senior in high school, I took a Holocaust lit class. And when I was a, after I graduated, I have family that still lives in the Netherlands. And mm -hmm. so I had the opportunity to go and spend a summer with them. And they asked me, okay, well, Lisa, where do you want to go? Cause you know, in Europe, they go on summer holidays and it's like, you know, they've yeah. got like a whole month to go do whatever they want. So I said, mm -hmm. I want to go to a, I want to go to Auschwitz. Um, but we couldn't get there. So we ended up going to a camp in the Czech Republic called Theresienstadt. Theresienstadt, I think I'm saying that right. And it was a, yeah. um, it was a Nazi death camp, and then it became a Russian POW camp. Mm. And so it was it was the most insane experience of my life. It was it was almost spiritual 
It's yeah. like mm-hmm. you walk on the grounds and then everything goes silent. Like, I don't know if you ever, if you had that kind of experience, but just nobody talks loud. You know, there's, there's a reverence there because you know that something evil and profound really happened there. Um, and it's like, it, it's been 15 years now since I've been there. And it's an experience I'll never forget for like the rest of my life. It is yeah. Yeah. such a heavy, life-changing, perspective-changing experience. Definitely. Definitely. It is. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not only is it, you know, the emotional side of it, but uh, going to these locations, I'm very, uh, I'm very big into if you, if it's possible, visiting uh, locations, uh, being able to walk the same floorboards or the same grounds or whatever it may be as yeah. people from the past. Cause that to, because I think the problem that a lot of people have other than the fact that they think history is boring, um, is that, they don't know, they can't connect with something that happened 60 years ago, 100 years ago. And I understand that because it happened so long ago. How can you connect with, with that? Even though, yeah. you know, as humans, we should be able to connect, but it's harder. But when you go to these places, uh, whether it's a museum or a former concentration camp or whatever, you get to see yeah, these, there were people who, who lived these lives and walked these grounds and it's good for, it's a good learning experience, I feel. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to teach that to my children. I mean, I homeschool and I live in Washington, D.C. So, I mean, yeah. you know, I try to teach that to them. I I have drugged them out to Ford's Theater and Manassas and, yeah. you know, all these places and uh they still are, are, they haven't quite got it. But, you know, when we go to these places, I try to tell them, you know, this is where this happened. This is, this is an important mm-hmm. thing. This is, you know, a lot of times it changed our nation. It changed our country. It had a, an impact on your life, whether you, you recognize that now or not. I mean, this, this changed the trajectory of how, you know, we got to where we are today. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think it is, so important to kind of, you know, touch those places and be at those places. And, you know, and honestly, it's a little dangerous to do now, but my favorite thing is to walk around Washington, D.C. late at night and go down to the, mm. you know, um, Monument Row and see the Lincoln yeah. Memorial and nobody's there, you know, see the World War II Memorial and no one's there. But it's all lit up 24 hours a day. And yeah. you know, like I said, it's a little dangerous to do <laughs> nowadays. Yeah. But, nowadays yeah. but it is um it is a profound for me, it's just such a cool experience to not have the touristy crowds there and just kind of experience mm-hmm. the moment of how big and important some of these monuments are is really cool. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh Washington, yeah, I ended up getting to go to Washington, D.C. at the end of 2018 uh, for the first time and see a few. I didn't get to see everything because we were trying, you know, too much to see in too little time. But what I did see, what we did get to see was, uh, you know, amazing. Uh, I always say, you know, everyone in this country should at least once, if they can, visit the Capitol. um, Just to see see the different, you know, visit the different places and... I now and then, yeah, after dark, I wouldn't walk around Washington, D.C. <laughs> in, in certain parts. But overall, yes. uh, the monument, it, it's really amazing. Uh, 
and yeah, it's, it's a, it was that was also a great trip as well. But um, just to circle back to the Holocaust, because um, that ties into the second season of my podcast. But um, so after focusing on U.S. history, I, de- I, I decided all right, I have to put Holocaust history into my uh, uh, you know skill set uh, because you know we were we learned that you know so many people as you as you know uh, there's a lot of deniers still in 2023, people who really truly don't want to believe you know yeah things happen then it's you know whatever whatever it may be it is what it is and because those people do exist though i feel i want to do my part to to show them that it did happen because it's important to remember that because it's, it's easy to for it to happen again in some form it doesn't have to be the exact same way it happened under under hitler but it can happen again in some different shape in some different form against a different group of people Right, right. I mean, genocide, I think, is an awful tragedy, just horrific crime. And it is susceptible to any group of people, really. And so we need, I think it's important that we as a society are vigilant for that. And we understand what the signs of that is. And it's really important to to learn our history, at, at least so we don't repeat those things, you know, so we don't fall into those same traps like germany didn't just overnight devolve into you know nazi germany i mean it was it was a really um horrible thing there was a lot of propaganda and it's signs that we need to look at because i mean germany at one point was you know a pretty pretty big superpower and just how quickly they were taken over by this faction is crazy. Um, But I did have somebody ask, what is your, and I know we kind of talked about uh, the Holocaust. You cover a lot of different um, historical periods, a lot of different people all over. You're kind of all over the place when it comes to history, which is, which is great. Um, But I did want to ask you if you have ever, when you started kind of getting into history, was there one historical subject you were drawn to that kind of inspired you to be a history buff that kind of got your, you know, history nerd brain going? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I would say the ultimate thing was U.S. history. I think that's where it started for me. Um, just the interest in our history uh, of this country. And then because it's such a short history this, of this country, once I got through as much as I could uh, about America and United States, and even before, you know, the Declaration of Independence, all that, we go back to, I, I go back to the, you know, 1600s or the 1500s. Then I, I started, you know, expanding more. But uh, U.S. history overall has been, uh, it, I think that was the beginning point for me, which is why I started the first season of the podcast with U.S. Uh, historical figures. Everyone was... Uh, someone of us from us history um yeah i'm more comfortable there uh i'm just as comfortable with the holocaust history as well but i think i because i started off with us history that's always going to be like closest to my heart yeah do you have a do you have a favorite episode or a favorite historical character that kind of surprised you as you were doing the research on how impactful they are but yet how little known they are um uh, that's that's a great question um what i thought was interesting um 
There was uh, in my first in the very first episode I did, uh, I did my first episode of the podcast on a man named Hugh Redman, and he was held in, I believe I, it was China, a uh, communist China, uh, for many years basically until he eventually was he died from the torture he received there. Uh, they held him because they thought he was a spy. Um, okay. He denied it all the way to the end, and it was later confirmed that he was uh, an early member of the of the CIA. Um, Oh, and wow. that was an interesting story to me uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I stumbled upon his story by mistake. I had visited a local cemetery here in Yonkers. Um, one, I've known him all my life. I just never got a chance to go through historically. So I started looking into who, who might have been buried there. Um, I found a few interesting names. I saw one day I went, early September of last year, I went to the cemetery and tried to find as many graves as I could. I couldn't find Redmond's, but I know it's there. I just couldn't find it. Um, I've seen pictures of it. So I thought his story was very interesting, um, mainly because it's just, I, I understand the time period that it occurred. Um, his story occurred uh, right after, it was right after World War II. Uh, communism was our new enemy. Uh, we were dealing with so that. Just, um, so like just at the beginning of, of the Cold War. Yes, exactly. It went in, yeah. it went in uh, right yeah. after it, it started. You know, he finished the World War II. Uh, by the early uh, 50s, he was in jail already. And for the rest of the 50s, he remained in jail. Um, yeah, so it, it, I understand it. But, you know, so I understand it from a historical aspect why, you know, but I, I, it's, it's stories like that that I wish were known more. So that's yeah. why I figured if I can do an episode on somebody that people don't know of, uh, but someone who I feel they should know of, someone from history that, I mean, as long as someone can walk away with some new information, that's really my goal. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I, I've never heard of him before either. So, and that's kind of something that I really like to do is when you find these people that you, you know, you're not gonna learn in school, um, you're not gonna learn in, you know, even in a college course, you're not gonna learn these type of things. Yeah. And so to dig those kind of people out through the, annals of history and put them up on a pedestal. I love doing that. Um, I think that those little stories are so important um, when discussing the framework of America. I think we always kind of tend to hit the big events, you know, and we mm -hmm. kind of tend to pick apart like what I would call immortals like George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, you know, but they didn't just come out of nowhere. There was a whole host of people working together, building this country to what it is now, um, whether it's good or bad. I mean, you know, all these things, it, it wasn't just, the, you know, the U.S. presidents. There's a whole host of people working and doing these things. And so for me, I really love love that. Um, now, I do want to say I am wearing my um, Be This Treason uh, shirt for Patrick Henry because today is a really important day in history. It is the anniversary of the Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death speech. Um, yes. And so I just wanted to acknowledge that. And Patrick Henry was one of like the greatest orators in American history. And he really pushed the revolutionary revolutionaries forward with his speech. I mean, this guy came, gave this speech as the Redcoats were literally searching for him to arrest him. You know, and he knew that this was 
this was a do or die moment for the Patriot cause. And uh, so I just wanted to give that historical nod and shout out uh, for the anniversary of the give me Liberty, give me death. Do you have a favorite founding father? Oh, um, I know that's kind of a, a big question. There's a lot of them. So yes, 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 there are, there are a lot of them. And you know, it's funny, obviously everyone knows all the main ones. I mean, you know, those are the ones that are going to live on through history and, but there's always, I feel I'm always coming across a, a gentleman that, oh, he was a founding father. He signed the Declaration of Independence. And I'm like, who's this guy? You know, there was a lot of people involved, which goes back to your point that, you know, the main things get covered, but there's often uh, all the little players in history don't don't get covered, you know, as off, as well. But uh, a founding father, my favorite, uh, I, I, for this one, I'm, I'm going to go with the, probably the typical one, uh, George Washington or John Adams. Uh, I'll be, they're all great. I would, I want, I'm going to pick the guys that no one knows. And all the guys that you don't know their name, those are my favorite right there. I'm going to tell you my favorite, and I'm going to tell you why he should be your favorite. Okay? okay. Nobody knows who he is, except maybe some of you guys know who he is, but Roger Sherman from Connecticut is my favorite founding father. Have you ever heard of this guy? I've heard the name, but I don't know much about him, no. He signed every founding document in America. Mm. He's the only founding father who have done that. He signed the Declaration of Independence. He was in fact, one of the committee of five to draft the Declaration of Independence. He was the roommate of John Adams during the Second Continental Congress. And John Adams looked up to this guy and wrote and asked for his advice frequently. He was a lot older than the majority of the founding fathers. He was a cobbler turned lawyer only to help defend his neighbor's farm. So he only wow. learned the law to defend his neighbor's farm and took the bar so that he could help his neighbor keep his farm. He signed wow. the articles of, um, uh, confederacy he signed the united states constitution he signed the olive branch petition um he also signed the writ of assistance i mean the guy signed everything uh he was looked up to by benjamin franklin thomas jefferson wrote his obituary when he died um he was called an old pilgrim because he quoted the bible in everything he said Everything he said, everything he wrote was quoted in the Bible. The only reason why we don't remember him is because he was not loud. He was a very humble man. He didn't write bombastically like a lot of the others did. He gave speeches, but he was very matter of fact and to the point. You know, he wasn't one for great um, Speeches like Patrick Henry and John Adams and, you know, Sam Adams. And you can have these great, great, big, you know, quotes and one-liners from their speeches. But Roger Sherman wasn't like that. In fact, um, during the con uh, Constitutional Convention, there were a few people taking notes, um, kind of, you know, uh, James Madison took some notes and another man uh, did some character notes. And I can't remember off the top of my head if any of you in the comments know who I'm talking about. But when he got to Roger Sherman, he said that Roger Sherman was one of the ugliest man he'd ever, men he'd ever seen and that he spoke so backwards 
I mean, he was a he was a backwoods farmer from Connecticut, and he was not eloquent at all. Um, in fact, they didn't like hearing him speak because he was very, you know, blunt and to the point. Um, but he's my favorite founding father. And most people don't even know who he is, which he's means very that the other sad thing is I say he's my favorite, but yet I have never, ever done a, um, a video on him. But he's my oh, favorite. Well, I've never you done might have you might your next. Your next one might be right there. Yeah, so I'm, I'm gonna have to do a. Um, somebody said the Instagram link's not working, so I'm just gonna share that really quick. But um, sure, go ahead. Yeah, so he's my favorite. Now I did have uh, I reached out to our Instagram audience here and had them ask some questions in the stories, and a few of them has had asked some really good ones. And if you didn't see the reel promoting this, I had done a reel um, kind of talking about a few hidden history things, things that America has either done or has happened. And we just like don't talk about it anymore. It's just kind of like swept under the rug or kind of like um, uh, glossed over. Uh, and so one of them was the Virginia Coal Wars. And actually someone asked if we could talk a little bit about the Virginia Coal Wars or West Virginia Coal Wars. I don't know a whole lot on them. Um, do you know a whole anything on them? Uh, the Coal Wars, I do not know. Uh, no, not not much. Uh, was the, I, I could be wrong, but I think that was in back in the 30s or the 40s, I believe 30s. Um, but I'm not I don't I, I don't know much about them. No. So from what I understand about the West Virginia Coal Wars, I mean, this is, a, I think, a, a time in American history where unions were just getting started. And you had those, the, the worker workers' rights and coal miners would have definitely fallen into that. Um, and from what I understand is it was, it started as a, um, as a shootout, I believe, with law enforcement and federal detective agencies, so like local law enforcement and federal agents, and kind of started to devolve into this escalated um, situation within the town regarding a pro-union against you know federal workers. And so I think that was kind of that. But honestly, that's really the extent that I know of how the West Virginia coal, um, coal wars got started. And I've had several people ask me to do videos on them. So maybe this is something you can do your podcast on. I have a podcast, but it is a narrative podcast. So I don't like to skip around too much, but, um, but yeah, so maybe that's something you guys can look into. And maybe John, you can do a podcast episode on the West Virginia Coal Wars because I didn't, I really didn't know a whole lot on it. But I have had several people ask me if I, I would do a video on it, um, and yeah. I just haven't gone into the research. Yeah. On it. What I wanted to add about uh, the, you know, when you hear about these, you know, coal wars uh, throughout history. Most of the time, they have to do with uh, you know poor poor working conditions. These 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 yeah. coal miners, yeah. uh, you know, just the connected between today and the past. You know, workers 
always have to, are always fighting for their you know their uh, better conditions, better rights, and it wasn't anything different in uh, you know back in the day, especially during these different coal wars. Uh, these workers, but back then they were really not treated right, and the conditions were really bad. So a lot of things like 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 these coal wars happened. You know, people were just you know fed up. Yeah, you know, um, it is a, a really interesting time, I think, in American history with, when we're talking about like the labor riots and things that were going on. You know, I don't know about you, but one of my favorite movies is The Newsies. Have you ever seen that movie? Uh, no, I don't. No, no, no. Okay, John, if you're from New York, you need to see The Newsies with uh, Christian Bale. It's so good. It talks about the, the um, newsboys in new york forming a union and they talk all about um you know the big newspapers hearse and uh uh vanderbilt and all the things that are going on in new york around that <laughs> time period which is really fascinating so if you haven't seen the newsies how, how have you not seen the newsies you need to see the newsies it's honestly i'm not good with with movies uh, i i watch a lot of documentaries i watch a lot of podcasts now but like movies i just made an exception recently and i watched uh all quiet on the western front because uh oh you know, was everyone, it, so good? It, it was very very interesting it was very good yeah um i want it was already on my radar for the for the from the book obviously i wanted to uh, i have a large book list and it's on my book list and um then i heard you know it came this movie came out and i you know I said, let me make the time for this movie because, you know, the book's on my list. And uh, I watched the movie. But other than that, other than All Quiet on the Western Front, I, I can't remember the last movie I, I've watched because I just lost track with the movie world. But I have a list as well of movies. <laughs> and that's another one that's going to go right on the list because I am a fan of Christian Bale. And that does sound interesting. Oh, it's one of his first, too. He's like a teenage a teenager oh. when he made it. It was like done in the 90s. The Okay, okay. That, that's even better. I, I I appreciate that more. I you know older older movies. That's my so that sounds well, great. Nineties, nineties, John. But that's, I would, old. I, that's older. <laughs> but uh, I will say, if you do watch Newsies, the boys from Brooklyn are my favorite. <laughs> okay, I'll keep that just, in mind. Just so you know, if those of you watching, you know what I mean about the boys from Brooklyn. Um, but. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. All is Quiet on the Western Front. I really like that movie, but the book is so good. It is really good. I read it before I watched the movie, and like that that book makes me weep. I mean, just the the sheer evolution of that is just such a good 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 historical read. Um, now, have is you it, seen? Uh, what was that? I was just going to ask you if, uh, was it uh, very much different from the book, the movie? Because um, I didn't get to read the book. What? So there's a few adaptations of All's Quiet on the Western Front. They did one in the 70s, um, which I actually thought was a better adaptation. But this one that they did, the foreign one that they did on Netflix, the cinematography is yeah. beautiful. It, it really oh, is yeah. beautiful film work. So I give it props for that. And and I think it captured the essence of the book really well. Really, really well. Um, so I, I give that kudos. Um, 
Uh, we actually had a question from Isabella. Any thoughts on season three of an Odyssey through time? I've never seen that. I don't um, know. That's just uh, that's the 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 longer title of the podcast. Uh, it's, oh uh, yeah. The official, official podcast uh, is Hidden History and Odyssey through time. That's um, right. I just go, I, you know, to make it easy, Hidden History Pod is just much easier for everyone to remember. Um, so yeah, uh, for season three, I was thinking, because um, season one, I, I stuck with U.S. figures, as I mentioned. Uh, this season two that I'm on now, I'm doing Victims and Heroes of the Holocaust, so I'll be focused on that. Season three, I believe I'm going to uh, dive into, the category will be world history, and I will just be taking... 10 or 12 historical figures of everyone outside the United States, basically, uh, different oh, countries that. around the world. I'll be are doing you, that. So season three should, yeah. Are you going to focus on like military history or just world history in general? Um, I'm going to try to mix it up. I try, I, that's what I try to do as best as I can. Um, yeah. Like in season one, I, 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 one episode was about a doctor and then I switched over to uh, a young woman in uh, World War One, and then mm -hmm. maybe a spy during the American Revolution. So I try to, uh, I did a, the architect of the Capitol. Um, so I do try to vary it up. Um, I haven't put much thought into it because uh, season two is taking, it, it's a lot. Uh, Holocaust studies, um, it's it, not it only the research, but the, the, the emotional pull of it all. Yeah. And um, it's a deep, you know, uh, history in general can be very emotional, but, uh, you know, Holocaust history is just, but the third season is going to be something with the world, world history uh, figures. I just have to figure it out. <laughs> I look forward to it. I, I love that. Um, I love world history too. Um, I'm a big fan of the classics ancient Rome, Greece. That's kind of mm -hmm. one of my favorite things too. Now we did have um, somebody ask us about the American flag. And I don't know if you're familiar with the story of the American flag. I think everyone's kind of familiar with the story of Betsy Ross, but um, most people might not know that there is also a story with Francis Hopkins when it comes to the American flag. John, do we have you? Yes. You kind of yes. That, so yes. Um, someone asked, yeah. So uh, did I freeze on your end too, or are we good? Yeah. Yeah. You, okay. you, you, you froze on your end. But I, okay. Okay. So hopefully it will, we'll, we'll get this figure out. But um, so someone asked Betsy Ross versus Francis Hopkins. Mm -hmm. Who do you think actually came up with the American flag? Okay, um, that, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, and I am familiar with both uh, stories, both situations. Um, yeah, if you want to go if you want to go by uh, which sounds better, the, which which story sounds better, which uh, I would go with the Bessie Ross, because it's uh, basically uh, the story goes that George Washington went to her um, around 1776, I believe it was. And uh, showed her uh, a design for the flag with the uh, six stars she suggested five stars on the for the points um and then from there basically she was the one they say who made the first uh you know the, the flag uh but going from the evidence we the evidence would point towards francis hopkins is it hopkins mm -hmm. hopkins or hopkinson 
Uh, I believe it's Hopkins. Hopkins. Okay. Uh, okay, Francis Hopkins. Um, the evidence is there that he had a say in it. He had participation in it. Um, he even requested a, a, a barrel of a wine as payment for yeah. uh, his contribution to the flag. He was rejected. Uh, for, he didn't get that wine, but um, there are there is documentary proof that he had a say in the flag. But yeah. the board of uh, what was called the Board of Treasury at the time, which is now the Department of Treasury, they said that they wouldn't give Hopkins the full credit because they believed that others did contribute. So, yeah, if we want to go, we can go by that, which makes more sense because, you know, a lot of times it is a team effort. And if so, I like to believe that Betsy in Washington did meet and maybe she did suggest a different star instead of instead of the five and you know the six go with the five right and i believe she but I, her story i believe is just as important to the 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 the, the, the history as yeah. francis's story as well yeah so i actually did a video on this <laughs> and um so betsy ross she was widowed she was a widower or a widow and mm -hmm. her nephew was a general within washington circle so they possibly could have met, but I think where the Betsy Ross story comes from and it gets romanticized is her grandson is the one that kind of pushed the story in the newspapers around a time in America where um, unity was really important. And so they kind of pushed a lot of these romanticized stories to kind of bridge a, a unified front on the, some of those things. Um, now, Francis Hopkins, he also designed the Great Seal of the United States. Mm -hmm. And so he is accredited for that. Um, but he was also on the uh, Marine Committee. And so we know that they were in charge of designing standards for our ships. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah. So I think he, you know, possibly contributed quite a bit. I do think it, it's funny, though, that he did invoice the United States Congress for, a, I think it was a tankard of wine. <laughs> and they said no, which I thought was yeah. kind of funny. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's one of the main reasons that, you know, they have him on documented, uh, they have him documented saying, look, I, I, I contributed to this flag. I basically made this flag. So can I get a, you know, a tankard of wine or something, I, you know, as a payment? And that I, documentation, I, you know, is still around. I feel like that was probably a pretty reasonable request of those days. But um, somebody did ask, uh, Bangle Boy Paco asked, which United States president would you have liked to meet, dead or alive? Okay, that's a good one. That's a very good question. Uh, I, you know, because most people would go with the, on, the, the easy ones, either George Washington or Abraham Lincoln, and we all know why. So, you know, I don't mm -hmm. have to go into that. Uh, so let's just put those two to the side because they're like, you know, the ultimate. We'll put those to the yeah. side. If with the remaining presidents left over, dead or alive, if I honestly, I would have loved to, to hang out with Theodore Roosevelt. He looked like he was oh, fun. Yeah. He was a, yeah. he looked like he was a, a good time to just sit down, have a conversation with, you know, his experiences during the Spanish American War. He probably had great stories. Um, I, so if I'm going to, I'm going to, Go with teddy roosevelt because he's just fresh on my mind at the moment and he was pretty if you look into him uh those who don't know much about him he, he was pretty uh pretty pretty badass yeah i i agree with you i think tr would be a hoot to have at a dinner party 
Um, but for me, it is always James Garfield. He is my favorite. What if? I think he's my favorite because he never had an opportunity to prove himself. You know, if for those of you that don't know, he is one of four that was assassinated in office. And uh, and funny enough, his um, Abraham Lincoln's son was there when uh, James Garfield was also shot by Charles Godot. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was also there when William McKinley was, was shot um, in New York. So he saw three of the four presidents assassinated in office. Uh, die but um, James Garfield is kind of my favorite like what if moment in American history so he's always a president that I admire I think he could have um, brought the civil rights era into the 19th century instead of waiting all the way until the 1960s I think he could have seriously done some major healing in America at a time when it really needed it and so for me, I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of more of like the, you know, I, I, I think I've kind of built him up in my head as somebody who could have, have really made an impact on America, but he didn't. So he's always a what if. And not only that, he was a mathematician. He's the only clergy member that uh, was ever elected into office, and he was a professor of languages. He spoke four, I think, languages, um, and one of the smartest people we ever elected as president. And he was the last log cabin president. So he came from very humble beginnings. His father died when he was like nine years old. And his mother and his older brother sacrificed everything they had to send him to school because he was just so smart. Um, And yeah, so I think he was our greatest loss in American history. So that's why he's my favorite. Good question, by the way. That that's a great question. Uh, now, I did have somebody ask earlier if we could talk a little bit about Benjamin uh, Banneker, and I don't know if you know much about him, um, but he's also one of my favorite historical figures in American history because I I think he's largely been forgotten, which is such a shame. Um, do you know anything about Benjamin Banneker? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know a little bit about Benjamin Banneker, and he was one of uh, one of my finalists uh, for one of my potential episodes in the first season. Uh, actually, mm-hmm. it's just uh, got a it, there's so many of them, but yeah. Benjamin Banneker is a very interesting yeah. story. Um, he basically he was a, a black man, African American man. Uh, he but he was not born into slavery. He was born a free man. Um, and uh, he had he was taught to read and write by his uh, grandmother, who was actually Irish. His Irish grandmother um, taught him to read and write. He learned also edu- his education in a, a one-room school, nearby school. He was very, very bright, uh, Banneker. Uh, had interests in the science. He, he had a farm, but he had interests in the science and in, in astronomy. He, uh, he later uh, worked with... Uh, What's his name? He worked with the surveyor to uh, to to map out the District of Columbia, which would become, you know, Washington D.C. Yeah. Uh, Charles Charles and, uh, Lafont. Charles yes, Lafont. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, he worked with Charles Lafont, and um, yeah, he he was his assistant uh, while they while they did the land surveying, and uh, 
he was a very a very smart man and 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 a figure that I that I believe needs to be should be spoken about a lot more because uh, just all the the stuff that he faced in his life, you know, being God. born free and and you know then the obvious discrimination that you know blacks were were facing back then uh, during that time period and uh, he still managed to uh, read write uh, work for the government basically and you know he he got he got paid a salary uh with his with his work for the surveying and yeah. uh that that's the general that's my general knowledge of of, of banneker my my favorite thing i think about um banneker first of all it i think he would be more largely remembered in history if his house didn't burn down so the uh, so yeah. the day of his funeral his house burnt down and so we lost a lot of his writings, a lot of his sketches. Um, he was a mathematician, an engineer, um, an inventor. Uh, he invented this clock, and and that clock that he invented was destroyed. Um, but he also went toe-to-toe with Thomas Jefferson on the issue of slavery and wrote back and forth with him about um uh, equal rights and how slavery needed to end in America. And Thomas Jefferson had a tremendous amount of respect for Benjamin Banneker. Um, he really was a great figure that I think is a shame we don't talk about more. Uh, he was the surveyor under Charles Lafont as they were mapping out Washington, D.C., and some of his surveyor stones are still around. You can go see them. They're protected by the National Park Service, too. So um, there is one in Virginia. There's two in Virginia now, which if for you Civil War buffs, um, that chunk of Virginia, there was a chunk of Virginia that used to be part of Washington, D.C. before the Civil War. Um, That is now Virginia, but uh, so he's got a surveyor stone in Virginia that they have preserved and protected. And there is a plaque commemorating Benjamin Banneker. But it is kind of a shame because you go to Washington, D.C. and you go to like LaFont Square and they have something named after him. And the mention of Benjamin Banneker is is hardly non-existent, which is kind of sad mm-hmm. um, because he was so instrumental yeah. in mapping out our capital. And I, I think uh, I think yeah. they need to rectify that. But I also will say, uh, when it comes to James Garfield, his you know, you've got Ford's Theater is super preserved when it comes to Abraham Lincoln's assassination. You go to Dallas, Texas, and Love Field, and and that's you know kind of become a memorial in itself to JFK. And you go up to New York and McKinley, where he was assassinated. There's a big statue, but. Mm-hmm. Um, James Garfield was shot in Washington, D.C., and all there is is a flimsy little plaque commemorating where that event took place. So I feel like, you know, we've kind of dropped the ball there with those two figures, in my opinion, in my opinion. But <laughs> but that is yeah, my opinion. I, I, I totally agree with you. You're, you're 100% right. Yeah, and you know what it is? Uh, I don't know who gets to decide what history should be taught, what history shouldn't be taught. You know, obviously you can't teach everything. I, I'm, a, right. I'm a realist, and I know, uh, you know, I learn, I know that these teachers in 
high school, middle school, they they have they could teach a certain amount and that's it, and you got to move them on. But like you said, like James Garfield was, you know, that's an important uh, 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 president, and you know, he shouldn't be just let you know a little plaque like you said. It should yeah. it should be and Banneker, his story really fascinates me simply because. Uh, you know, when I when I when I hear people today, you know, the, the complaining, oh, they can't do this or they can't do that. But this man, and he's not the only one either. Uh, you know, through my research, I've come across a lot of whether they were former slaves or born free or they gained, you know, whatever the case may be, they made a better life for themselves uh, yeah. despite the, the the racism and the discrimination. And it was way harder back then, where yeah. not like it is today. But, you know, if people complain so much today, I feel and it's like, but there's, but people like Benjamin Banneker, you know, he, he, he was fascinating. It was a very, that's a very fascinating figure. And uh, that was a great, you know, I'm glad somebody brought him up because yeah. he was a very smart man. You know, he, you know, the, the clock you mentioned that he, he, he made, uh, he learned how to make that clock just from studying a pocket watch and the gears inside of the pocket watch and yeah. was able to make that clock. And this is, you know, rural time where a clock was like whoa you have a working clock and who had the working clock this free black man had the working clock and he was smart enough to do it himself so you know it's he's a fascinating man honestly yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I know you did a, a podcast episode and we've talked a little bit about it on elizabeth freeman and mm -hmm. i'm like if there if hollywood if hollywood's looking for a good movie to make you need to make it on elizabeth freeman and her story uh, she is such a strong woman. For those of you that don't know, Elizabeth Freeman was an enslaved woman that after the Massachusetts Constitution was passed, which was also written by John Adams, she, she sued for her freedom and won and effectively ended slavery in Massachusetts in 1787. I believe it was, it was either, yeah, yeah 17, yeah, around there, 1787, 1789, one of those years, 17, yeah, 1787 or so, yeah. yeah. Amazing story of perseverance and overcoming adversity in insurmountable odds. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, like you said, if Hollywood decides to make a movie about, for example, her, it, it could be an amazing movie if they did it right, because that's a story yeah. right there of a woman who was born into slavery, learned that she was not meant to be a slave and fought for it in a court. She went to a lawyer. She went to the lawyer herself and just told him, honestly, look, I just, uh, you know, I heard these words of freedom. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, of course, uh, but she says she heard these words of freedom. And, yeah. and why is it, why does, how can it apply to her? And she won her case, like you said, and after that, multiple more cases came up of of, of uh, enslaved men and uh, men trying to get their freedom, and 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 they were able to use her case as you know the guideline. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's just like I said, it's an amazing story, and I feel like there's so many amazing stories. Like I should I should start writing scripts and sending them to to Hollywood because they need some good material these days <laughs> not everything oh, can be a marvel movie guys like we need to get some better quality films in hollywood um, i agree and i hope and that's why i hope that with the release of all quiet on the western front maybe some hollywood producers will now 
maybe want to make their own because I believe this was a, a German movie, a German yeah. production. Uh, and they did it. Like you said, the, the cinematography was amazing. The, the, the yeah. battle scenes is what I live for. The, you know, it's going to sound gruesome, but the violence, the death, all that, <laughs> that's what I'm looking at because I'm looking, for I'm looking for historical accuracy. I hate watching a movie and it, if it's a little thing, I can live with it. But when it's something big, that just bothers me. I'm just like that. But the, the, the you know, great movie, and I hope that we have a lot of great directors in Hollywood. So maybe they'll now be motivated. I hope. I've got a million different things. I and I've said this too. I um, my husband's not a big history buff. So, you know, that, that's one of the reasons why I love my husband to death. And he's probably watching this, shaking his head. But <laughs> he is not into history. It's not something that excites him like it does me. But I've we started watching Turn again. Now, I've seen it all the way through. But he hasn't. Have you ever seen Turn, Washington Spies? I, I've heard of it. Haven't seen it. But I plan to watch it. Yeah. Fantastic. Watch it. Um, there's a, they, they deviate for, you know dramatic purposes but but the people the players are all there um mm -hmm. but i've said this over and over again i wish they would do a show about the civil war spies and sorry if you have heard me rant on this before but i just seriously think there is so much more drama and material and you have alan pinkerton is starting up his detective work and he is spying on Confederate spies in Washington, DC. And there's this, there's affairs of sitting congressmen colluding with Confederate spies. I mean, there is young girls, um, Belle Boyd, who is a spy and she's giving in bad Intel to the union army. And so, I mean, the whole, and then you have Harriet Tubman, who was a spy in the Union Army during the Civil War, and she was fantastic. She's the yeah. only woman in history that's ever led, she's the first woman in history that led a military operation, uh, in U.S. history, I should say, that led a military operation. Such good stories, and I think they need to make a movie. And John, I can't even believe that our hour is almost up. So oh, yeah, <laughs> it, like, honestly, it, I looked up and I was like, oh, whoa, it has been such a joy talking to you. Um, thank you. Thank you for those of you out there that have submitted questions that asked questions during the live. It was a joy to, to answer those for you. Um, John, tell us where people can follow you, um, what platforms you are on uh, and uh, give us the rundown, give us your details. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, the main one right now would be uh, Instagram. Uh, that's Instagram at Hidden History Pod. Um, I'm mainly on there, but I, I, I'm going to get more active on YouTube uh, at Hidden History Pod. Um, the his, uh, YouTube is more of a, uh, uh, I, I do like mini series on, on YouTube because uh, I figured what happened was I realized not everyone's into sitting down and listening to audio and reading. Uh, information or looking at documents or pictures, you know, and that's not everyone's way of learning. And some people appreciate pictures and video, uh, picture music and such. So I started doing different little mini episodes on YouTube. I had those up there. Uh, something called I called excursions where I go out to different historical locations and film. Uh, 
But uh, the main one is uh, at Hidden History Pod um, on Instagram. And then there's my website, HiddenHistoryPod.com. And uh, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I had a blast. Um, and, you know, good luck on the upcoming season with season two. So when does season thank two start? Season two started uh, the beginning of the month, uh, beginning of March. Okay. Um, I think I think it was uh, something like that. The beginning of March. Uh, right now, I'm in season two. The third episode will be out next Wednesday. I do. I, I release the podcast episodes on a biweekly uh, schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's uh, every two weeks. Uh, next Wednesday is the third one uh, of season two. Uh, it's always first on my website, hiddenhistorypod.com, and then. Uh, after that, it's available on all major podcast platforms uh, to listen, um, including YouTube. I also put up an audio copy as well there. And um, yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for watching. And just a quick announcement. If you are waiting for the next episode for my podcast, Historical USA, it will be out next week on Thursday. Um, and we are going to be talking about James Oglethorpe. And the founding of the last of the 13 colonies, the colony of Georgia, and the establishment of Savannah, which is a very fascinating story. We're going to talk about Tomatichi. We're going to talk about James Oglethorpe. We're going to talk about some of the first Jews that come to the colonies and settle. Um, So it'll be a really interesting time. James Oglethorpe was a visionary man um, and really set up Georgia to be a very unique colony. So thank you guys so much for watching. Um, and I will announce the next guest again for the next Thursday's history hour. And John, I just want to thank you so much for coming on. Um, and you're welcome anytime. Thank, thank you, Lisa. I want to thank you uh, for having me on. Uh, and to everyone who's watching, thank you for watching. And uh, just go check out my page, Hidden History Pod. Yeah, and I will link, uh, I will put, uh, make sure to add those in the description box. If you are re-watching this, they will be in there. So, all right. Have a nice night, guys. We will see you on Bye. the next one. See ya.